Welcome to the Deeper Dive Podcast, brought to you by the OC Church of Christ. The Deeper Dive Podcast is about going deeper into God's Word, learning new insight, and taking a fresh look at the verses that impact our daily lives. Today's episode is part two from The Journey by Robert Carrillo. So get your scuba gear and let's dive deep into God's Word. Here's Robert Carrillo. Hello, everybody. Robert Carrillo here, and uh, we have now our part two of the spiritual journey series we're doing on how we grow and how we develop spiritually and, and how to keep growing spiritually. And I'm super excited about doing this series. Um, it has helped these studies, these scriptures, this the time in looking at this has helped me so much. And, um, and I love to share this with others. And uh, thank you for taking the time to listen, to focus, to grow, to be your best for God. So let's uh, go ahead and jump on in. Um, this is class number two or part two, the stages of spirituality. Um, and I want to just kind of launch off from where we left off in the last class. It, it, you know, in, in 2 Corinthians 3, verse 18, Paul's telling the church in Corinth, he says, and we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever increasing glory which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. We, we, we broke this down last time and talked about how it's really our focus on God, growing in our knowledge of God, contemplating the Lord's glory, that changes us, that transforms us, having that focus on God, creating the time and the space necessary for us to just be with God and learn about Him and, and grow in our knowledge of Him. And that transforms us into the image of Christ with ever-increasing glory. In other words, we keep growing. We talked about that last time, the importance of growing and adding to our faith and our knowledge and, and, and you know, who we are with God. This, this, this journey that we're on, we're all on this journey. This is a very important journey, and it's important that we are aware of where we're coming from, where we're at, and where we're going. Um, there's kind of a, a general backdrop. First, I want to just talk a little bit about the backdrop of this, and then we'll get into specifics about the different stages that we go through in spirituality and in our journey. But but in, in, in the backdrop, if you were to look at what inspires us, what moves us, you know, why, why do we come to church? Why do we live this Christian life? Why do we do what we do? You know, why are we Christians? And and there's there's some very important motivations that that are important to recognize and be aware of uh, as we move forward. You know, for for many of us, the first stage was was really a lot to do with fear, a lot to do with shame, a lot to do with guilt. You know, oftentimes we we face God for the first time when maybe somebody invites us to church or studies the Bible with us. And we become aware that we're not right with God. We become aware of how aware of how sinful we are, and we feel a lot of shame and guilt about it, or how we've blown it, or you know what's the condition of our life. And that's kind of a natural reaction to seeing the goodness and the love of God, and then seeing ourselves and how we're living. Right? The truth can be very challenging at this point. You yeah. know, that's why not everybody's a Christian because a lot of people don't want to face it. But when we face the truth. These are natural feelings that come out. And, you know, the scripture says fear is the beginning of wisdom, right? 
It's like the first step. Oftentimes it's what motivates us to take action, to make changes, you know, the shame, the guilt. But thing is, is that, that, that we should continue moving forward in this. We cannot live long-term in fear and shame and guilt. Those are, those are always going to be there and we're always going to have to deal with it. But the greater our motivation or the more our motivation is fear or shame or guilt, the more, honestly, the more unhealthy we're going to be. Well, our motivation needs to move forward. And churches are notorious for dishing out lots of fear, shame, and guilt. And, and it, why? Because it works. It gets people to change. It gets people to do things. It gets people up off their, off their seat and out there doing stuff. But unfortunately, an over-reliance on fear, shame, and guilt ends up becoming fairly toxic in our culture or in our theology where um, it's just not, a, it's not sustainable. It's not a long-term motivation. And typically what happens is if we're growing and we're spiritually developing, oftentimes our motivation will shift more to duty because we're grateful, because we, we're thankful to be Christians. It moves towards responsibility and duty and doing our part and, you know, the due diligence of the Christian life. And, and, and if we're really invested in it and, you know, we use our talents, it can actually become very performance driven. And that can be a little dangerous. That's tricky. You know, we get kind of caught up in how effective we are and the scriptures we know and, and the ability to study the Bible with people or to teach or explain the gospel or to baptize people, to maybe even be a leader, a Bible talk leader, a read, a sector leader, a ministry leader. And, and we have to be really careful that it, we don't get caught up in performance. Most everybody gets caught up in it at some point in their lives. And some people get stuck there where it's all about what they can perform, what they can do, what they can produce. And that becomes their identity, their title or, or, or their, you know, that what, how people see them, the, the, the outward appearance. And it's, it's very performance driven. But what typically what will happen, what, what oftentimes will happen is something will happen and we lose that title and then we crash or we make a mistake or, or, or even worse, we become afraid of, admitting our mistakes and faults because we kind of get hooked on what everybody, how everybody sees us and looks up to us. But hopefully we're moved through that as, and part of growing is moving from duty and performance and responsibility to capturing a vision of what it means to be spiritual, what it means to walk with God, what it means to be a mature Christian. And 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 obviously to have this vision, we've got to be learning and growing and and capturing that vision, understanding that vision of of spiritual maturity. And I'm gonna be really honest, very few people get that far because we tend to get stuck or trapped in guilt, shame, duty, and performance and responsibility. And it's very important that our vision is expanded, that we're learning, that we're growing spiritually. And understanding the deeper things of God. This is where Hebrews, the Hebrew writer challenged them to, by now you ought to be teachers. You can't be stuck in the first principles and the basic principles of the faith. You've got to catch a greater vision for your life, for what God is doing. And in this vision stage is where we begin to see more and clearer the hand of God, how the Holy Spirit moves. 
and 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 we were able to center our lives more around the spirit around god and understand the things of god and what naturally happens is we become more love inspired it's not so much fear inspired it's not so much shame inspired it's not so much guilt and those are those are things that we've got to always be dealing with but those are not the long term paul said for christ love compels me not because I'm ashamed and guilt-ridden, I'm going to keep working hard. That is a very unhealthy perspective. And yet some people, a lot of Christians have that. You know, they just, they don't want to fail. It's a fear of failure, a fear of falling away, a fear of sinning, a fear of, 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 of messing up, a fear of hurting people, a fear of, of not being good enough, not being spiritual enough, and, or the shame of feeling those things. And the problem is that after time, People get tired of it and nobody wants to go to church and feel ashamed of themselves or guilt-ridden. And, 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 and you might be tempted to think, well, but we never supposed to talk about sin. No, we talk about sin, but we talk about God in it and, it, and we challenge sin, but we, but we also teach God's love so that our motivation is love to deal with sin. Our motivation is God's grace to change our lives, not shame, fear, and guilt. And so that progression, that should happen in everyone's life. And, and the preaching should be filled with love and inspiration and grace and mercy. That's really what motivates us once we know God, much more than fear, shame, and guilt. And, and that's a much power, much more powerful motivation and a much more sustainable motivation. I, that inspires me. I want to live a life of love. I want to live a life filled with the Holy Spirit. And, you know, that, 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 that you have the fruits of the Spirit, love and joy and peace and patience and kindness. That's who I want to be. I mean, the truth be told, that's what everybody wants. Everybody wants love and joy. You know, we call it happiness. That's what joy is, love, joy. Everybody wants peace. And that, those are powerful motivators. Why? Because that's who we were designed to be. We were made in God's image. We were designed to be people of love, people of joy, people of peace. That's our, our as, as Augustine said, our hearts are restless until we rest in him, right? That's, that's when we find that peace. And then we're not at peace when we're, when we're stuck in fear, shame, and guilt. In fact, quite the opposite. We're struggling with, with the tensions and the guilt and the you know the pressure that shame puts on us. So this is the this is the kind of backdrop of growing in Christ, becoming one with the Spirit in truth and love. As, as Scripture would say, walking in the light, living the greatest commandments. Whoever does not love his brother does not love God. Right? It's learning to live a life of love, and but we have to have that motivation and that inspiration in our life. So that we are, we are like a, a, a spring, you know, that this, it comes from our heart, the wellspring of life. Instead of fear, shame, and guilt, say, okay, I got to be more loving. I got to be more kind. I got to be more this. Life in the Spirit, it's what's coming out of us. It's the fruit of the Spirit, not the fruit of our labor, the fruit of the Spirit. So that's the backdrop to a lot of what we're talking about here. So, of course, you know, Peter, we read this last time. Peter said, for this very reason, make every effort 
to add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge and to knowledge self-control, to self-control perseverance, to perseverance godliness, and to godliness mutual affection, and to mutual affection love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, you will they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So Peter basically admonishes the Christians to just keep growing, keep adding to yourself. Don't, you know, unfortunately for many Christians, their greatest growth period was probably their first six months as a Christian. And then they kind of plateaued. And unfortunately, we often have a, a mentality of, are you in or are you out? And if you're in, you're fine, you're good. But if you're out, then we got to get you in. And we get focused on baptism. So it becomes all about baptizing, all about being baptized. And once they're baptized, they're in. And the truth is, once you're baptized, that's, that's still the beginning. You're still in the beginning stages. I mean, you've got to live a life of love and faithfulness for the next 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70 years. And that's... That's where the real challenge, that's where the need is. That's where we've got to keep growing and adding. In fact, he says, if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they'll keep you from being ineffective and unproductive. Okay, they keep us from being ineffective and unproductive. So we're not growing, then we become ineffective and unproductive. And unfortunately, I think there's a lot of disciples, and I would say a lot of churches, that have become very ineffective and very unproductive. And I think when he talks about unproductive, it's not that they don't, just that they don't baptize as many people. It's much more than that. They don't have the impact. You don't see the miracles. You don't see the, the transformation in that person's life. I talked about last time, you could be an old Christian or you can be a mature Christian. They be, you can become an old Christian and, and not a mature Christian. And old Christians are dogmatic. They tend to be self-righteous. They tend to be legalistic. And that doesn't help anybody. And it doesn't have impact. It's not effective. I mean, nobody wants to be like you if that's what you're like. Our kids don't want to be like that. The neighbors don't want to be like that. And, and that is unfortunately where the world sees Christians as these cranky, dogmatic, self-righteous, judgmental people. So we have to keep growing and growing in, in our knowledge of God, adding the perseverance and godliness and affection and love and self-control. I mean, these are goodness. These things we should keep growing in. Um, so there's a lot of writing. There's a rich history of studying this, how we grow, how we develop. You know, that goes back all the way even, you know, Augustine, in his, the confessions or um, his writings, he talks a lot about how he was, how he grew spiritually, how he developed. Um, in the, in the middle of the dark ages, when the world was in trouble, the church was in trouble, there were some spiritual giants that just did incredible writing. I think of Teresa of Avila, Juan de la Cruz, Ignatius Loyola, Ignacio de Loyola. Bernard of Clairvaux, and there are many, many more um, who talked about how we grow and how we spiritually develop. And I mean, for many of us, this is completely foreign because it's not in the church crisis. It's not part of the Boston movement. And, and we think, well, wh what do they know? You know, they knew a lot, believe me. They understood a lot about walking with God 
And then in recent times, there's been a an explosion of studies on spirituality. And and really what's exciting is, is that psychology has played a big part of this. It's of how we mature emotionally and spiritually. I mean, there's a very popular book right now, The Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, where he's taken a lot of the lessons of psychology and applied it to understanding how we spiritually develop. And there's some fantastic books. I'm going to actually be using The Critical Journey by Janet Hagberg and Robert Gulich um, and using their model to explain. There are many models and a number of these present models of how we grow, how we move forward. But I talked about, you know, Augustine of Hippo and in the fourth century, talking about his spiritual journey of life. Uh, Bernard of Clairvaux, who he had a model of the degrees of love, the first degree, the second degree, the third degree, where you love of self for self's sake, love of God for self's sake, love of God for God's sake, and love of self for God's sake. And how we go through that. I would love to teach a class just on that, but um, no, no time for that in this, this class, maybe another day. Uh, Teresa of Avila broke it down in, in, what, in her famous book, The Interior Castles, um, or The Mansions Within, how we go from mental, effective, active, passive, quiet prayers, prayer of simple union, spiritual betrothal, and Jesus' spiritual marriage. And she had a model. And, and, and some of these people were heavily persecuted. She was persecuted. John of the Cross was heavily persecuted. He had a model of, of the active night of the senses, the passive night of the senses, the active night of the soul, the passive night. And these are all just studies of stages we go through as we develop spiritually. Recently, um, a book that was a bestseller, it was huge, in 1978, The Road Less Travels, A New Psychology of Love, Traditional Values, and Spiritual Growth. And this is the one I mentioned, where he took a lot of the principles of psychology and and kind of looked at spiritual development through that lens. A lot of amazing insights in there. Uh, James Fowler, for many years, was kind of the go-to standard study of spirituality, how we grow. I mean, he was a theologian um, and a professor of human development. His is, it's, it's fantastic. It's, um, he broke it down into these six stages. The one I'm using, it's kind of the more, I would say the more common one today, or, or I don't know if you could even put it in those terms, but, but very well known today is, is the, the, the critical journey where he talks about the also six stages. And these, many of these stages are, are very similar. Now, I do need to give one warning about stages. Um, it's a little bit dangerous talking about stages because people want, they tend to want, you know, quick fixes. Well, tell me the stages and I'll just get through the stages. And like, it's a ladder that I'm just going to climb up. And, um, and that is not healthy thinking. That's very modernistic, very scientific approach. This is just for understanding where am I at and where are some of the state, what are some of the challenges I'm going to run into? It's for self-awareness. It's not a gimmick. It's not a fad. It's not a 12-step program. It's just for self-awareness and understanding things that I think are very, very important for us to understand as we grow through them. And we can't just hand these out like the fix it. This is going to fix my church or fix me. They're just for helping us with awareness, right? Um, I talked a little bit about this last time, how, you know, and, and uh, Paul says to the church in Colossae, having put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. 
So we're being renewed. We're being uh, made true to our new self, which is it's actually, as many, many people would call this the true self, the Imago Dei or the image of God, where, where Jesus is at the center of your life, where you're inspired by love, your Holy Spirit fills, you're confident in God, you're content in knowing God is in control and living in him. You're at peace with yourself. You know who you are. You know your weaknesses. You know your sinful nature. You know how much God loves you because that is life in the truth. And you know how evil sin is and how destructive it is. You know how ugly pride and ego are. And you're dependent on grace to the point where even though you know all your sinful nature, you're okay because you understand the power of God's grace. You understand the power of his love and how deep, how wide, and how long his love is for you. That's who we're becoming. That's the true self, what God made us to be. But in this world, we, we, we tend, or not we tend, we fall into this false self. And we spend much of our early life almost creating a false self that is very driven by ego, very driven by our appearance. How do we look? You know, this is... This begins very early in life. I mean, in, really in childhood, but it explodes in teenage years and, and, and kind of becomes doctrine in our 20s. Who am I? What am I about? How do I dress? How do I look? And even when we become Christians, you know, we, we, we create this image of what kind of Christian I am and what I'm capable of, what I can do. And in and, and the early stages, it has a whole lot to do with ego. And, and, and we're very sensitive. We can get feel disrespected or unappreciated or, uh, and because it's just a lot, a lot to do with how we're seen, proving our words, showing what we're good at. And behind this is, you know, we talked about that model. There's a lot of fear. There's a lot of shame. There's a lot of self in there. And there's a lot of things that drive us are things like loneliness and insecurity. We're leaving that. That's the false self. That's not what you were created to be. Some books call it the shadow self, right? Your shadow you. Of uh, this is this is the unspiritual you. That when we become Christians, we get baptized, we get our sins forgiven, we proclaim Jesus as Lord, and we're on the path. But we're not done with all this stuff. We still got a lot of ego. We still got a lot of fear. We still got a lot of sinful nature and temptation. And this is the process. This is the spiritual journey becoming our true selves. So Paul talks about being renewed in knowledge and the image of the creator, right? Um, so this is the critical journey model. This is the, 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 the Gulich and Hagrid uh, model here that I think is very helpful to understand where we're, again, not a chart for how to move forward or, and don't. And the other thing that people will do sometimes is they box themselves in. And, and it becomes a label instead of helpful. And this is the challenge with, you know, with personality profiles. I mean, I've taught and trained with the DISC personality profile for many years. And I always have to caution people, don't let this box you in. This is just to help you with self-awareness, with understanding where am I at in the process and to give you vision for where you're going and your journey. And that's the value of this. Um, so I've already talked about how, you know, we tend to start out very ego-driven and we move towards being God-driven 
towards being love-driven. And that's that's our journey, right? Um, it usually starts out with a, a basic recognition of God. We study the Bible. We realize who God is. We realize who we really are. And But that recognition of God is very impacting. Life changes with an authentic encounter with God. And oftentimes, that's what happens in the conversion. It's what the studies are for, is to help people have an encounter with God. And that leads us into a life of discipleship, the second stage uh, in the critical journey model. So where we learn how to live as disciples, you can actually, the whole model fits in our emotional development too, in our, in our cognitive development. You know, the life of discipleship, it's like, it's like the recognition before, before we find God, this is just generally chaos. That's like a baby. It's, has no schedule. It has no goals. Baby has no, uh, clear purpose in life or goals in life. It just exists. And then, and then when you go to school, you start learning how to live or how to be when you go to school, you learn to sit in a chair, raise your hand, stand in line. You learn the rules, right? So a person becomes a Christian. The life of discipleship is their first months in the church. They learn the rules. They learn the culture. They start saying awesome all the time, you know, and they, and they, they're just soaking up the culture. And really it's a, it's a stage of conformity. You're just, you're learning to conform to the group, to the church. And that's all part of your spiritual development. And that's not bad. That's good. That's good. Just like a child has to learn how to stand in line, how to follow the rules in the classroom. You're learning how to live this life. That can be, you know, typically your first months, your first years as a Christian. You're just learning. You're, you're learning how to be a Christian, how to live life as a Christian. And, and the a common question is, what? so what, what do we do with this? Or what do we believe about that? Or, hey, I had a Jehovah's Witness knock on my door. What do we tell them, you know? And there's a lot of we in it because you're trying to conform to the group. So that leads to the second stage, the productive life. This is where we're learning to be effective. We're learning to, you know, we've grown so much. We're being uh, effective and productive, you know, and we're, we're, we're learning how to lead studies. We're learning how to help other people. Maybe we become a Bible talk leader. Maybe we become an intern. We learn how to baptize people. And now we're productive. And that stage can go for many years. That's like, like, you know, you're getting into high school or college and you're, you're figuring things out. You know how to get straight A's. You know how to cut, you know how to do a test. You know how to get through, you know, you're learning all kinds of great skills. You're learning how to drive. You're learning how to, how to get, you know, set yourself up for college, how to set yourself up for your career. It's a productive time of life. That can be, you know, from one year to 25 to 30 years where we're just productive. It's where we're, a lot of us become leaders, Bible talk leaders, group leaders, interns, ministry people. You know, we, 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 we're, we're so good at productivity. That is, as I said already, that's a dangerous phase because that can become our identity, what our title is. Oh, I'm an assistant region leader, or I'm a, I'm a Bible talk leader, or I'm, I'm a disciple, you know, and, and that's a dangerous, a tricky phase. It is also a time where we, we tend to just, operate and and we can slip into the focus being productivity how many people i will invite how many visitors do i have how many people i baptize and that's a it's a temptation to your christianity becomes all about your production 
And unfortunately, culture really supports that because people get held up for being productive or being effective. People get talked about, they get rewarded. And so it's, you know, it, it could be, literally, you know, it's like Pavlov's dog, you know, they get a biscuit every time they do this. I get a biscuit every time I baptize somebody or every time I have a visitor or because my kids become Christians or because because I gave a great communion message or whatever. Those things, they're, they're not in, bad in and of themselves. Of course, it's great to bear fruit. It's great to help people. That's wonderful. The danger is it can become your identity. And that's what we got to watch out for. So it's a great phase, but it's also a phase racked with spiritual temptations. We have to watch out. Now, here's what happens. So we're in this phase 10, 20, 30 years, and we have these nagging doubts. I don't know if this is what the church should be doing. I don't know if I really believe that doctrine. I'm not sure I really agree with this leader. And and in the early stage, when we're just trying to conform to the group, we just dismiss those as uh, just criticalness or negativity. But now we, we've got a pretty good idea of how this all works. We're veterans now. We're, we know how it should be. And some things bother us and some things we have doubts about and some things we don't feel good about. And at first, again, the early stages, we ignore it. We sweep it under the rug. But then all of a sudden, your rug, all of a sudden, after a while, your rug has this huge mound, and you can't ignore it anymore. You have to start dealing with these questions or doubts or nagging concerns. And because you you don't want to be critical, you don't want to be negative, you certainly don't want to be divisive. We tend to ignore them, but after a while, we can't anymore. And then we hit a wall, the proverbial wall, or some people would call it the desert or the valley. We hit something that you know, just stops us in our tracks. And there's a wide range of, of what creates a wall that can be a conflict with a leader. It can be something we just don't agree with. It can be exhaustion is a big wall. You know, we're just spiritually exhausted or we're emotionally exhausted or we're physically exhausted. We, that stage of productivity, we were doing too much and we burned ourselves out. That's a wall. Um, there's the classic wall, the dark night of the soul. So that wall will, will stop us and can make us, put us in a place of deconstruction, place of critical analysis. And it doesn't necessarily mean we have a bad heart, not at all. In fact, nobody grows to the latter stages without going through walls. It's just where we're at and we have to deal with it, especially if we didn't deal with doubts and questions and fears earlier, they become huge. Those of you in, in my fellowship in the, in the Churches of Christ, we, we know our whole fellowship hit a wall in 2002 and 2003. And many of us have hit multiple walls since then. And so the walls cause us to dig deep and figure out what do I believe and what do I think about this and what's my conviction about it especially if we disagree with something or feel like something's not right, or it just causes us to, and what do I think about unity? What do I think about submission? And what do I think about leadership? And that inward journey. And sometimes it's not, it has nothing to do with the church. Sometimes it's, it's, you know, something tragic happens to us. A child gets cancer or we, we have a big, huge fight with our spouse and we can't seem to get it right. And these, these are just 
withdrawals that stop us spiritually. And we don't feel like we want to do anything usually while we're at a wall. We don't want to be in studies. We don't want to lead. We don't want to, you know, and, and so again, it begins the inward journey. What am I doing? Why am I doing it? What do I believe? In? Now the question isn't what do we believe? It's what do I believe? And when we handle these walls spiritually, it, we're empowered and we follow Jesus through the wall. We're able to get through it and we're doing the inward journey or what many would refer to the inner work that helps our faith grow much deeper, richer, and stronger and to get us through this. And I'll, the next class, I'm going to talk a lot more about getting through the wall because I think there are a lot of Christians at the wall that are stuck. And, and the great thing is that as you do the inward journey and become confident in God, confident in his love, confident in grace, you naturally start the outward journey where you're able to give and help again. You're able to serve. And really, you're much more effective because you've learned so much. You've been through so much. And you're able to have a greater impact on others. And, um, you know, some people fear spiritual formation because because of the inward journey. They think, oh, I'm just going to become self-centered, navel-gazing. This feeds into the culture of me and, and you know, self uh, self-care and all that. And that, that, if that were the end game, if that was the goal of spiritual formation, then that would be true. But that absolutely is not the goal. And, and the truth is in the inward journey, we become much more like Jesus, which means we naturally become much more, we organically become much more loving and much more caring, much more compassionate, much more concerned for others. And that's the outward journey. We learn how, once again, it's almost kind of a repeat of the early stages. Now we're out giving again, serving, helping others. But it's not so that we can look better. It's not so that we can feel better about ourselves. It's not so that people will praise us. It's because we simply love God. And we learned that deeper love in the inward journey. In the inward journey, we had to get so gut level onto, honest about ourselves and that's where we had to invite Jesus in to help us receive mercy, grace, kindness. That's what helps us move forward. And as we move closer and closer, again, love becomes much more the motivation. And we, and we move into a life of love where, where what it's all about is love. I think this is where the Apostle John was, where he talks about so much in his letters and even in the gospel about love, this, these final stages. And I'll be honest with you, very few people reach these final stages. Very few. Most people, most people get stuck at the wall. Many people fall away at the wall. And the problem with the wall is, is because you're questioning, because you're doubting, because you're deconstructing, oftentimes leaders react very strongly. Churches are terrible at helping people through the wall. Um, you know, they, 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 this is, this is, you know, as you talking about spirit, emotional or development, this is adolescence. This is when your preteen or your teenager says, why do we have to do this? Why do we have to go to church? Why do we have to have family devos? Why do we got to read the Bible? Why do we got to, you know, and they start questioning, or why do I have to do it your way? Why do I have to do what you say? And what's the temptation as parents to come down on them, right? Say, you have to do it because I said so. Same temptation with leaders in the church. 
is when members question these things to come down on them and try to manage them or control them in some way to get them to continue to be productive and to, to keep people in the productive life, but people will not stay in the productive life. And if they can't get through the wall, they tend to just fall away. And so, you know, that's why the next class is going to be a lot about the wall. But so we move from the inward journey, the outward journey to a life of love. And in that life of love is where we're learning to be one with the spirit in truth and in love. This is, this is the golden stuff. This is the great things. This is the living a kingdom life, life to the full, a life in the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control. This is that life. And we're moving. And this isn't something that happens after we die and go to heaven. This is here and now. This is the life we are called to now. And, and, and so this is where we are, where our spiritual journey is taking us. But we've got to keep moving forward. We have to live internally and intentionally. So I'm going to stop there. I think this was a good amount to contemplate, to think about, and to chew on. Next class, we're going to talk about the walls and getting through those walls. So thank you so much for being part of this class, for taking the time to learn, to grow, to be all that you can be. God bless you. Buen camino. Thanks for listening to Deeper Dive by the OC Church of Christ. Our next episode will be part three titled Spiritual Walls. If you want to get connected to us or want to donate to the program, go to our website, occhurchofchrist.com or through social media at the OC Church. Join us next time for part three of the journey. <laughs>